0: Good morning, everybody. I'm Bill Stevens, one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad that you guys are here. And I say that every time I come up here, that I'm I'm glad that you're here, but I truly am. I am glad that you have chosen to share this experience together. I, what Frank just just did up there, I just I, I, that's the first time I've seen it. I like to watch it just the, for the first time, just like you guys do. I want to be able to just watch it and just experience what he's saying. He brought in the messiness, the messiness of life. And that's what we all have. And what's so great about coming together in church is we get to share in each other's messiness. And recognize there's, not, there's no one perfect in this room. Nobody except the fact that God is present and God is. There's nobody perfect in here. It's so funny how at church we, we used to dress ourselves up so much and try to present ourselves as perfect. But the reality is we're, we're, we have messiness in our lives. And we get to share those with each other, be encouraged because not only you chose to come, but somebody else needed, needed to see, oh, there's somebody else that's, that's, that there's messiness in their life too. And then we take that journey to, with Jesus in the midst of all the messiness. And that's what we get to do together and worship the Lord in the midst of all of that. I love it that you're here. And I love it that we get to do that together. Well, we're going to continue the series that, that, uh, that Maurice and Chris started for us on Mind Games. Um, let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll dive right into that. God, we are thankful for this day and thankful for the chance to be together. We're thankful that you are present in this room. You meet us in the midst of all of the, the messiness of life. You meet us there. And God, I know that you meet us right now and that you want to take us on a journey. And so we pray, Lord, that you would. Take us on that journey that leads us closer to you and to your truth and to your hope in the midst of the messiness of our world. We pray that that you would guide us to you in this. It's in your name that we pray, amen. All right, so here's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're talking about mind games. We're talking about the, all the different complexities of our minds and the directions we go and the, the thoughts that we have. And, 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 and you know, sometimes you end up down this road and you go, how did I end up there? And, you know, where, where is this in my marriage? And we think about those thoughts. We want to talk about that. And we've been, we've been looking at what the Bible says about it. You'd be surprised at how much the Bible says about the thoughts in our minds and, and where we go with those thoughts and where God meets us in those thoughts. We've been looking at the medical field and, and what, what the medical professionals have discovered about our brains, scientists have discovered about our brains. We've looked at that, too. I love merging those two. That was a that's something that I, was taught to me at the University of Washington in the college ministry there because uh, we had a we had a molecular biologist that would come in and speak to us every once in a while. A guy named Dr. John Medina. This is this is uh, uh, you got that picture, Greta, of, of John. It, this is this is John Medina. John John wrote a book called Brain Rules that has just gone through the academia. Every all those guys have have read that. John was the weirdest speaker I've ever heard. He would make a point that none of us got, and then he would stop, and he would drink some Diet Coke. And then he'd keep going. And then he would bring up some point that none of us got, and then he'd stop again. And he'd drink some Diet Coke, and then he'd keep going. He was brilliant, We didn't know what he was talking about because he was too brilliant for it. But what he would say that so stuck with us, what John would say, is he'd say, look, every bit of scientific discovery on the complexity of the brain that was his expertise, every discovery that would be made around that only enhanced his faith in Jesus, because he said, he said, what would happen is we discover something as we're, as we're, as we're doing research on, on, on Alzheimer's or doing research on, on, on traumatic brain injuries. And we, he'd say, we do that research and we discover the, the, the unbelievable, phenomenal complexities of the brain. And he's going, and God created this. This was his puzzle. And he said, so every time I discover something or we discover something in that field, He's just going, do you see how unbelievable God is with his creation? That he created our brains that way. And as a college student that's putting the pieces together of faith, you're listening to that going, yeah, I need to hear that. What God is doing and how God is putting this all together. And so, so we've been looking at that over these last couple of weeks. And we've looked at, Maurice brought something up a couple of weeks ago. He said that, that, that medical research has found that we have between eight and 12,000 thoughts in our day. And, and that, was a, that was a number that's like, wow, we, we have the amount of time in our day to have eight to 12,000 thoughts that go through our brain? Well, one of the things that Maurice didn't point out in that, one of the things that he, that he, he he's decided to not go that direction, was that 500 of those thoughts, of the 10,000, so say 5% of those thoughts are thoughts that are unwanted, unintentional, or intrusive. Five hundred of those 10,000 thoughts are unwanted, unintentional, or intrusive thoughts. You know, that thought that you have where you just go, why did I even think that? What kind of person am I? That, that unwanted thought, that intrusive thought that you're just going, wait, I was, I, you're, in a, you're, you're in a quiet time, and the next thing you know, you're thinking about what happened the night before on The Bachelorette, and you're going, where did that come from? Well, I, We get 500 of those a day. And you might say, well, 500 of those thoughts, that's not that many. You know, I'm hitting 95%. That's pretty good. But what they said is, is those thoughts last about 14 seconds, each one of those. 14 seconds of an unwanted thought, of an unintentional thought or an intrusive thought, 14 seconds that lasts, and then you move on, and you might have to do a lot of great ones, and then another one comes up. 14 seconds. Sometimes those are the same thoughts 500 times. You know those times where we're obsessed about something, and it's the same thought multiple times a day. Other times it's different thoughts, but it's 14 seconds. Now again, you might say 14 seconds. That's not that long. Really, how long is 14 seconds when you're thinking about something, an unwanted thought about a person, an intrusive thought about yourself? I mean, really, how long is 14 seconds? Long enough, right? Long enough? 14 seconds to think something about somebody or think about yourself that's an unwanted thought? 14 seconds, you can really linger on something. 45 minutes later, you have another 14-second thought, and that makes you linger even more. 14 seconds times 500 is just under two hours. Of our, way, of, our, of our time that we are awake, just under two hours, are spent in thoughts that we don't want going through our heads. Now that starts to become, wow, okay, okay. Now I'm looking at these going 14 seconds, only 5%, but man, that can take up a lot of our day, especially when it's a thought that repeats itself over and over again. That's when we start, and we all know it. I think we all know it. You know it, those, those thoughts. I mean, sometimes it comes, it comes randomly. You're not expecting that thought to come, and, and you're at a staff meeting, and, and, a, and your boss points something out that you did wrong. And you now have a 14-second thought. Now, that 14-second thought a lot of times starts with that person that pointed it out. And you just go, how dare that person say that? But then that 14 seconds actually leads you towards towards your own conclusions. It leads you to a conclusion that says, I'm a terrible employee. I'm so bad at my job. And then later that afternoon, you get another, you, you get a report, a bad report, and you're just going, and there it is again. I'm an awful employee, and there's the thoughts that you start having in your brain. Your kid comes home from school And the first thing they do is just drop their backpack at the door, walk up the stairs to their room and shut the door. You stop them, hey, hey, how was your day? Fine. And they just walk up to their room. And now you have 14 seconds. Those thoughts that you say, you just go, I'm such a terrible parent. I wish I I knew what I was doing. Those 14 second thoughts that come just in raising your kids or let's flip that you see your parents cuz you know I don't you see your parents and you're going man they just they just bring in all of their issues and they're piling them on me but really what the conclusion that you have is i always disappoint my parents why am i always disappointing them 14 seconds of thought 14 seconds of of is this really the thought that the lord wants for us 14 seconds of thought. You guys, no wonder, no wonder I struggle with a diet. No wonder, you know, I want to lose the 15 pounds that I gained in COVID, and I struggle with a diet because you have these thoughts that come up. I go up to the pantry and I'm trying to watch what I'm eating. I'm trying to make it be healthy with it. And I see all these boxes of cereal. Cereal is not the thing that's going to go, now that's it. I'm, I'm just some cereal. That's what I'm craving. It's not. But if I'm looking at those boxes of cereal and I see the crunch berries and I reach in for a handful of crunch berries and I'm going, well, should I eat this or not? 14 seconds it says you will fail in this diet. And of course, you'll give in to that. No wonder you don't want to go on a a date again after you've been on the dating apps and you've tried to date and now you don't want to go again because you have those 14 seconds of thought that says to yourself, I don't want to do this again. I don't think I'm lovable. 14 seconds of thought that says, I don't deserve anybody that loves me well. 14 seconds of thought that says, I'm going to be alone. And so you don't even try to take that next step because because those 14 seconds can win. No wonder you don't take that chance. 14 seconds of thought says, I'm not a risk taker. No wonder you won't change the way you you look at your finances. You know, you, you set out to have a budget 14 seconds of thought says, I will never hold to this budget. You say, and then a couple hours later, you go, no, no, I need this budget. 14 seconds of thought says, you don't make enough money to even have a budget. (laughs) And then a few hours later, you're going, oh, but that's exactly why I need to set a budget. I'm going to set a budget. And then 14 seconds of thought says, yeah, but I cope with my stress by going to to Nordstrom Rack, (laughs) and I'll buy whatever I can. And there's those 14 seconds seconds of thought will win. Forget the budget. I'm going to go buy the coat. Man, this is what we deal with. And what happens from those 14 seconds is we we conclude lies about ourselves. From all of those piled on one after another, we conclude that we're not good enough. Or we don't deserve it or maybe even you do deserve it, Then nobody cares to hear what you say. If they knew, if, if they knew you, they wouldn't like you. If you. You will always be alone. You will quit. They will quit on you. You're not lovable. You deserve this punishment. Spiritually, we'll say God is not good. God is not there. God doesn't care. Those 14 seconds of thought piles on each other, and we find ourselves in compromising situations because of it. You'll sit there at work, and you'll have a a, a woman will walk by you at work, and you'll just go, you'll have an unwanted thought. And she's really pretty. Why was I even thinking that? And then later, you'll have another unwanted thought. Gosh, she's so playful in our conversations. And a little while later you'll hear it and you'll go, gosh, she's a little more adventurous than my wife. And then later that night, 14 more seconds of thought when you're on your own. And you go in the next day, 14 seconds of thought, and you just go, wait a minute, how did I get here? Because they start to pile on each other. We got to talk about that. I don't want this to be depressing. It's just the reality that those thoughts come into our brain. And what do we do about those thoughts that come into our brain? The 14 seconds of thought that, that, can, that can just start to, to, to lead us down paths that we don't want to go down. Well, this is why we've been taking a close look at Romans 12, 1 and 2, a letter that Paul wrote to the people in Rome, and he said, man, I need to talk to you about this because this is the reality for every one of us. And listen to what he says. He says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. He's going, I plead with you. Man, what Paul says, he pleads with you. He is saying, I know there is a war that's happening in our minds, and I'm pleading with you that we've got to do something about that because if, those, if we keep allowing those two hours to win over time, it will win. He says, so I'm pleading with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. His love and his grace and his mercy and his power and his presence and his peace and all of what God has done for us. He's saying, I need you to recognize who God is and to offer your bodies to that truth. He says, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you'll find acceptable. He says, this is the way you worship Him, to center and focus and drive in the direction towards God. Because if we don't, these thoughts will run us over, is what he's saying. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. The behavior and customs of this world are those thoughts that lead to patterns. And when those thoughts are piled together, they lead to patterns and that becomes the behaviors of this world. He says, don't do that. But he says this, he says, says, but let God transform you into a new person By changing the way you think, we're thinking this way with these thoughts. Let them change the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, God wants to transform our mind that recognizes in these situations, that recognizes the power that God gives you, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is within each one of us through the Holy Spirit. And he wants us to recognize the power of God when we're starting to go down this this path. The, we wanna, he wants us to recognize the love that God has for us when we're concluding that we're not lovable. He wants us to recognize the courage that he pours out on you when we are fearful. He wants to recognize the forgiveness he floods you with when we're going down a path that we're saying, I am so filled with guilt. I am so filled with remorse. I'm so filled with with disappointment. He's going, I want you to recognize the, the forgiveness that I'm flooding your hearts with in the midst of those thoughts. And I want you to recognize what God says about you through his word, what he says about you and not what the world says about you. See, he wants to change the way we think. And if it says, let God change the way you think, that implies we have a way that we're thinking that is not the way the Lord wants us to think. See, see Paul, what Paul's talking about is he knows we pile those things up and those things become ruts, Ruts in our life where, where we try and we set out for something that is fresh and new and we're gonna take that chance and take that risk and there is a rut and it falls right back down into a rut in our life of, oh, I've been down this world road before. When you think back at some of the the examples that I gave, you know, the dating one, the rut in the in your life, for any of you guys that are in the dating scene right now, you know I I start out and I and you want it to be, you think about it like you're driving down the road with fresh snow and then the ruts of the snow. It's the fresh snow, and you're driving down the road and you go, okay, I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna try this, I'm gonna date, I'm gonna try this again, I'm gonna risk. But your car just falls back into that rut. And now you're driving in the rut that just goes, oh, I know where this ends. This is, this is just disappointment. I know where this ends. This ends with me being alone again. I know where this ends. I'm never gonna be able to love unless I fully compromise. I know where this ends. And that's the rut that we have to the point that you're going, I don't even know if I wanna start because I know the rut that it's gonna lead me to. And that's the, that when I talked about the diet. You just go, I know where this ends. I will sabotage myself. I know where this ends. I, 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 I'll never lose the weight anyway. I know where this ends. I, 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 my, my thoughts are around vanity, not around health, and so nothing's going to work. And so, so all of that leads you to just going, so what? why even try? Why even try? Because I'm going to fail. I believe that this is why so many of our marriages are either struggling or we're just cohabitating. I think a lot of our marriages will have a moment where somebody will say in the marriage, they'll say, I I want fresh snow. I want want us to try. I want us to rekindle. I want us to rekindle a passion. I want us to rekindle a a, a purpose in our life. I want us to rekindle a a pursuit of each other. I want us to rekindle a pursuit of Jesus. And you say that to yourself, that I want us to do that as as a couple, and yet you feel that car falling into the rut, into that rut that says, I've tried this before, and all, I, all that came about from this is my spouse saying that I'm nagging them. I've tried this before, and it, it lasts for about two weeks, and then we go back to the same old patterns. I've tried this before, and the pursuit just will not last. And so why even try? And so we sit in our marriages, marriages that, I mean, you guys, every single marriage needs each other to say, what can we, how are we rekindling? Every marriage, I don't care how healthy your marriage is, every one of them needs you to say, how do we keep pursuing each other? How do we keep dating each other? How do we keep making, keeping this fresh? How do we keep, how do we keep pursuing Jesus together? Where have we grown stagnant? Every marriage needs those questions to be asked. But so many of us are so afraid of falling into the rut that is, well, this is the way it's always been and this is the way it always will be, that we don't even try. Try. And we settle and we say, well, that's just the way it's going to be. This is what the medical profession calls you guys. They call them neural pathways. They call them neural pathways in the brain between our brain and our nervous system. And what happens is we develop a pathway between our brain and our nervous system on this is the way things go. And and what happens is when it's been negative, we conclude, I've been here before and it'll never change. I've I've tried this before and it'll end in failure. I've been here before and it'll end in disappointment. And that's the neural pathway that, that, that we start to go down. That's the rut that we go down. Do you know who... Owns this rut. Do you know who loves this rut? The adversary loves this rut. Satan loves this rut. Now, some of you don't want to believe in Satan, but Jesus says there is an adversary to God and he is the king of lies. And so, in this moment and these ruts, man, this is where the king of lies lives. And that's where we conclude the things that we conclude. Because the king of lies is saying those 14 seconds over and over and over again is giving you these moments of it will always be this way or it will never change. You get those thoughts because the king of lies is winning in the midst of the ruts. But you guys, there's another path. There are ruts and there are trenches. Listen to what Craig Rochelle, a pastor in Oklahoma, says in his book called Winning the War in Your Mind. Listen to what he says. He says, A rut is typically formed in mud and becomes a nuisance, even a danger. A rut is unintentionally created, has no purpose, and requires repair. We all know what what being in a rut feels like, thinking the same thoughts, doing the same things, experiencing the same problems. It's like we're hopelessly entrenched on a rugged battlefield. A trench, on the other hand, listen to this, this is super important. A trench, on the other hand, is intentionally dug to deliver a necessary resource. Let's call that the Holy Spirit. A trench has specific purpose and fixes an existing problem. Remove the lie, replace it with truth. Instead of living in a rut, you can create a truth trench that runs deeper, diverting the flow of your thoughts from old pathways to new pathways. New trenches don't come from scrolling through social media, listening to our favorite playlist, or phoning friends for their opinion. They come from the Word of God. See, so you've got to set up these neural pathways. This is not Satan's plan. This was, remember what John Medina was saying? This is God's great plan on our brains he set up these neural pathways, and he wants us to recognize the pathways, the trenches that he has set up for us, to step into those and say, hey, I've been here before. It's not this exact same risk, but man, God I've, I, God re- met me in the midst of that risk, and so I'm going to take it again, and I'm recognizing not necessarily the, 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 the scenery around me because it's new, it's a new risk, but I sure recognize the road signs. Because those are coming from the Lord to yield and stop and go and, and, and travel and, and watch out for the falling rocks. And I'm starting to recognize those. Oh man, I'm, I, I recognize this. That's a neural pathway that God would want us to go on. God would want us to go on a neural pathway that says, do you recognize you're loved because I love you? It's a neural pathway that says, that says you can take the risk. It says that you, that, that you are who I say you are. That's the neural pathways that God wants us to go to, go through. That's the trenches that God wants to have for us instead of the ruts that we end up living in. We call this mind games, you guys. You know what game we're playing? It's this one. You remember this old game? Throw that up there on there. Remember this game? It's shoots and ladders. That might as well be a picture of your brain right there. We got ladders. We got shoots. But we're calling them ruts and trenches. We're playing the game of ruts and trenches, and our lives depend on what happens here. See what? Ha- see, see? God wants us to recognize the trenches that He's giving us in these thoughts that we have, or He's saying, just let the tr- the, the ruts win. Keep falling down those shoots. I think the shoots are the bad ones. Keep falling down the shoots, and you're going to keep re- repeating the same old things that you've always repeated. I want, to show, I want you to show a very simple picture of the brain. See, this, this is a simple, simple picture of the brain. And this is neural pathways in the brain. And there is a strong pathway and a weak pathway. Don't make the mistake in thinking that the strong pathway is from the Lord and the weak pathway is from Satan. That's not the way it works. The strong pathway is the one you choose to walk down the most. That becomes a neural pathway that you will follow again. The weak pathway is the one you don't walk down as much. And so what will our brain constantly do? They will find the strong pathway and go down that pathway. And see, what God is saying to us is, I'm digging trenches And I want you to help me to dig trenches that that becomes the strong pathway. What is our normal fallback? When those 14 seconds come up, what's the strong pathway in your brain? Is the strong pathway that's believing those same old lies over and over again? Or is the strong pathway saying, "No, no, no! I am going to believe in what the Lord calls me and who, who the Lord says I am." That's a trench versus a rut, and God is saying, "I'm I'm I, I'm I'm working with you on building trenches." That's what I love about that passage again. Because when you look at that Romans 12, 1 and 2, it's, it's God's work. God is transforming our hearts and minds. God's transforming our minds to change the way we think. But he's also saying it's our work as well to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Set God up to do the transforming work. Tell me this. When you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is scroll through social media, Have you set yourself up for God to do the transforming work in your mind? Have you set yourself up for that? When you get on social media and you're scrolling through and you're going, that parent is better than me. They get to do more fun things than me. Those guys have more money than me. You know, you you're just, each one of them, or, or I don't like that person because of the way they post. I don't like that person. And you're concluding these things about them or you're saying your unwanted thoughts about them. Is that setting you up for your mind to be transformed? When we talk about things like, man, try to, try to give the Lord five minutes of a quiet time. Try to give the Lord 15 minutes, half an hour. Spend some time in the Word. Spend some time in prayer. Those are things that you just have to do because that's what Christians do. And we're setting up. God's saying, grab a shovel. Help dig a trench. You're going to go down these pathways over and over and over again. Grab a shovel. I'm going to do some powerful work here, but I want you to work with me because we got got to dig some trenches. We got to develop some new neural pathways. That's what God's saying to us. He's going, man, come on, work with me on this. Let me do the heavy lifting. There's going to be a rock in that trench that you will not be able to move, but I'm going to. But let me do some of that work. Now, sometimes, you guys, we do that work. Sometimes we do it and we still fall prey to the 14 seconds. You do that work and you're going, God is doing some great work in me. And at the same time, 14 seconds will come up and we'll give in to those 14 seconds. And sometimes that will happen over and over again for us. Well, look, this is what, this is, it, it, the, the Bible addresses that specific thing. It's one of my favorite passages in Scripture. It's out of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He, so we went from Rome, Paul was in Rome, now we're going to Corinth, when Paul's in Corinth. And he says this, he, I love this, you guys. He says, for though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. See, see he's saying, I'm talking about a war in the trenches, a war in our minds. He says, the weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world. The weapons of this world might be sarcasm. The weapons of this world might be manipulation. The weapons of this world might be cynicism. The weapons of this world is certainly lies. And he says, no, 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 the weapons we fight in this war Man, they're not, they're not the weapons of this world. And, and, and see, that we went from Rome to Corinth and we go to Ephesus because in the end of, of Ephesians, he says, I'm going to give you some weapons to use in this battle, this battle with our mind. He says, I'm going to give you the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith and the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. And I'm going to have you put on that armor to fight this battle of our minds. I want you to put on a, a helmet of salvation that gives us hope in this battle. It says there is hope for something more. I want you to put on a, a, a breastplate of righteousness that says I am in a right relationship with Jesus. I am in a good relationship with Jesus in the midst of the lies that say something different. I want you to put that breastplate of righteousness on. I want you to, I want you to hold a shield of faith that's gonna, that's gonna fight off the enemy's lies. And then he says, and I want you to hold the one offensive weapon, the rest are all defensive, the one offensive weapon that is the sword of the spirit, that is the word of God. And that word of God, is, it says, here's what I say about you, not what others say about you. And he says this, then he keeps going. He says, on the contrary, they have divine power. The, war, the, 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 other, the, the, other, the world has divine power. And, and the, the, the world is what we're fighting. The divine power are those weapons to demolish, to demolish strongholds. You guys, when you think of war, you can do all you can on the battlefield. But if the stronghold, the fortress is still there, man, you have, we still haven't done anything that fortress is still there. And he's saying, I'm giving you the power through my Holy Spirit to actually demolish the strongholds. If you think about it like our illustration, it's the walls of the ruts that you feel like I can't get out of. I'm giving you the power to demolish the walls of the ruts And he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension. That's where we get the word pretend. Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. See, those ruts convince us that this is the only way. And it pretends to be that God in our life. And then he says this. And you guys, this. I have said this next part of this passage. I have said it to myself thousands of times. I have said it to my wife. I have said it to my staff. I've said it to many of you. This next line, you guys, is one that we all have to grab hold of. We have to, we have to recognize that we have the power to do this, that God, through, those, through what he has given us through his Holy Spirit, when we are fighting the ruts, we have the power to do this. Hear this, you guys. He says, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We have the power to take captive the thoughts, the thoughts that we have, and make that obedient to the truth that we know God is saying instead. The number of times that I've had to say that to myself, To just go, when I'm starting to believe something else, that something else is someone else is saying about me or to me, or I'm starting to believe my own own messiness, and I'm believing that I'm a quitter, or I'm believing that I don't have any courage. When I start to believe those things, I gotta take those thoughts captive and then put it up against the light of truth and say, What's the light of truth saying? Instead, to me and about me. Jackie will sometimes say something where I'm just going, that is not from the Lord. What you're believing about yourself, that is not from the Lord. God sees you as so much greater than that. And we'll call each other out on that and just say, take that thought captive. And turn that, put it up against the light of truth. Is that really who you are? Or is that just what the king of lies is making you believe in the rut that we're in? Let's start digging a trench together. When a staff person will come to me and they'll say, I don't think anybody really even respects what I do or I don't know if anybody really, when I, get, when I get Chris Sturgeon or Aisha or Mo that will come up here and preach and come back and they'll say to me something like, oh, I don't know. I think they just want to hear you preach, Bill. I don't know. I just go, man, that's not from the Lord. That is not from the Lord. You honored God in what you were doing. It's not from the Lord for you to now start to second guess and question your effectiveness. You honored the Lord and you surrendered it to God. And now let that sit in that truth. Take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. When you have that thought in your marriage, it's not worth trying. It's not worth trying. I'm going to fall right back in that rut when you, when you have that thought, take it captive. Do we, honor, when we put that up against scripture, does God not care about our marriages? No, he absolutely does. And he says, it's worth every bit of effort that you will put. It's worth it. Take that step of courage. And that's, that's taking a thought Captive. Putting it up against the light of truth and saying, What do you believe? What are you saying to me? I think about all of our folks that are in their retirement years. You will sit there at times and you will say, I have nothing else to say. Nobody will listen to me anymore. My, My words are old, I'm outdated. Take that thought captive. Put it up against the light of truth. You tell me how many times in scripture is God using people that are old, way older than you, and saying, I've got great things to say. I thank God that Jim Raven in my life didn't stop speaking words because I'm the man I am today because a guy for 20 years said, I still have something else to say to somebody. Take the thoughts captive and make them obedient to the truth that you hear. Now, I'm going to finish this morning by reading through a few of these thoughts that we have and the scripture that speaks to us in that. Remember, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God that speaks to us, that says, I'm going to help you out of the rut into the trench where we're going to transform your mind into a new way of thinking. I say or have said I'm unlovable, but God says I'm forever loved. Romans eight thirty eight and 39, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I say I'm scarred, but God says I'm healed, Isaiah 53:5. I say I'm in the rut and I'm weak, but God says in the trenches He makes me strong. God arms me with strength and He makes my ways perfect, Psalm 18:32. I recognize I'm a sinner, but God says I am forgiven, 1 John 2:12. I was abandoned. But God says I'm adopted. Ephesians 1:5. I say I'm broken, but God says he makes me whole. Colossians 2:10. The rut says I've been rejected, but the trench says I am his. Do not fear, I have redeemed you. I have summoned you; you are mine. Isaiah 43:1. I say I'm alone, But God says he's always with me, Joshua 1.9. I say I'm hopeless, but God says because of him, I am hopeful, Jeremiah 29.11. I say I'm purposeless, but God says I was created with purpose. Remember what he talked about it to Esther. Perhaps this is the moment for which you have been created. I say I've failed so many times in the rut, but God from the trenches, from the trenches says I am victorious in Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. I'm saying I'm lost, but God says he's given me direction, Isaiah 30, 21. Are you growing tired of these? Every single rut that you will face has a trench next to it. Every single rut that you face has truth next to it that leads us to the trenches. I say I'm worried, anxious, or afraid, but God says with him I am I, peace-filled. John 14, 27. I say I'm unhappy, but God says I'm joyful and joy-filled, John 15, 11. I say I'm afraid, but God says I'm powerful, loved, and have a sound mind, 2 Timothy 1, 7. I say I am nothing special, but God says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well, Psalm 139, 14. And I say that I am worthless. In the rut, the lies say I'm worthless. In the rut, Satan convinces me I am worthless. But God says Jesus died because I am worth it. John three sixteen. It's a battle. The ruts and the trenches, and we got to win this game of life. We have got to recognize that God's at work and that he wants to transform us. And at the same time, he wants us to grab a shovel and say, dig the trench with me. Come on, there is a different path and I want you to learn that path, go down that path, make it a pathway that you you recognize, make it the strong one. We will have our 14 seconds every day. We'll have multiple times of 14 seconds. But the 14 seconds do not have to win. Put it up against the Lord. Take that thought captive. See the light of truth. Father, I pray that that in this season where each one of us can very easily, easily give in to those lies, fall in those ruts, live in those ruts, conclude in those ruts. God, I pray that you would grab hold of us. Help us to, to, we pray that you would transform our hearts, that we would see you and your power and that we would have the power through your son who gives us the power through the cross to actually face these things and, and, and discover a new direction to go a pathway that we will want to continue to go down. I pray that you would grab hold of each one of us in those 14 seconds. God, may each one of us in those 14 seconds hear hear the words, take it captive, make it obedient to your truth. And we pray that you would do that kind of work on us. We thank you that you are that attentive to our lives, that you want to work with us. And that we're not the only ones digging, but you are digging that trench. God, help us to find it. It's in your name we pray. Amen.